I have no plans for this episode. I have notes, but no plans. I should move the notes to where I can see them. Hello, and welcome back to I Don't Imagine Anyone's Listening, the podcast where I talk about whatever I want to talk about because I do not imagine that anyone is listening. I really didn't think that title through when I picked it. I just thought it was kind of funny, but I'm stuck with it now. Anyway, I am your host, Monica Marie Dare, writer, editor, podcaster. Now, it's a title that you can give yourself, and uh, as I like to say, certified internet nobody. Today, we are continuing our journey through the liturgical year and through the works of Tolkien. It is Lent, and so uh, I decided last year that my Lent thing is that I read Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's many Lent things, but one of my Lent things is that I read Lord of the Rings, so this is the second year that I've done that. And you know what? It's good every time. Like, well, we'll get into it, but I... I thought, like, I read it last year, and it had been a few years, and I'm like, oh, it's still good, and then when I decided I was going to do it again this year, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it again, because I've read them relatively recently, but no, it's, it holds up. It's good every single time. I like it every time of the two times that I've done this. Anyway, so I know we're quite late in Lent, and we're only doing Fellowship of the Ring. Did I mention that? We're talking about Fellowship of the Ring, um, but I was prepared to do this last week, and then I didn't get around to recording it, so good news, I am about a third of the way into two towers. So if I really buckle down, we can do that one for Holy Week because I, I know myself, I will not have it done next week, but mm, the week after, maybe. Anyway, this time we're talking about the Fellowship of the Ring and when people, I know people who, who love Lord of the Rings, we get very defensive when people say they don't like it or they don't like reading the books, even if they like the movies, because it's a good story, but um, the books are not for everyone, and I think we all have to acknowledge that, because oh my gosh, this book is kind of boring. It takes a really long time to get going, like a really long time. Like chapter one, good stuff, very important information, but then sub, like, until you get to, like, Rivendell? No, Brie. That's not fair. <laughs> Until you get to Brie, there's like a gap of, or a, a chunk of th like three or four chapters that just don't really matter. And I'm not just talking about Tom Bombadil, though I am largely talking about Tom Bombadil. Yeah, he's amazing. And I, I know within sort of the wider well, no one, I mean, he's, it's kind of a, he's sort of a weird outlier and, and there's lots of debate that I'm just not interested in about how and whether he's important and what his role is in the whole universe and blah, 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 whatever. It's, he's pointless. He doesn't need to be in the book. I don't understand. I mean, like, I do understand, but also, like, why? It's, it's totally pointless. He doesn't need to be there. He has no bearing. They mention him occasionally throughout, like, he comes, he pops up in the Council of Amon because they're like, well, maybe we can just leave the ring at his house. And they're like, no, that's not gonna work. But, like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be there. He's sort of an interesting, like, what is this thing? But, oh, okay, I've gone on for quite some time about him not needing to be in this book. But it's not just him. Like, the whole Krakalo chapter, I get why they cut that out of the movie. I quite enjoy it, but it doesn't have a lot of bearing. Old Forest, the Baradons are very cool, but, again, you cut them out of the film, you don't really miss a whole lot. It's just Aragorn has a bunch of small swords and no one asks any questions, so... But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to acknowledge if there's any listeners out there who are like, yeah, I like Lord of the Rings or I want to like reading this this book, but the, it's just hard to get into. I understand. I feel your pain. I find it much easier to read now that I've read them multiple times, but like the first one is tough to get into. And every time I have that experience of the first like 100 pages or so, it's, it's rough. <laughs> 
I have notes, but I find like when I take notes, I don't, I don't have a point. I just wrote down a bunch of stuff that I liked or I noticed. So I don't know, maybe I'll just read these out and, and maybe, maybe a point will emerge. Oh, I keep smacking that. Um, it's probably when you talk with your hands and you have a relatively small space to record, you just hit things and then you don't, unless you want to re-record what you just said, you, you just have to leave the noises in. Anyway, it's a little uh, inside baseball for y'all. The first thing I wrote down. So there's a lot of stuff in, like, when you read a book many, many times, there's little things that you notice that you didn't notice before and, or didn't really have any significance to you before. Ah, coffee. And so the first thing, it's quite early on in the book. So Bil- at Bilbo disappears after his birthday party and Frodo's left to uh, hand out bequeaths and presents to uh, friends and relatives. And I had never noticed or it didn't, like, click that the little notes that Bilbo leaves on the presents for people are really passive aggressive (laughs) and it really cracked me up reading it this time um like he gives uh a a cousin or something I'm just gonna assume that these are all cousins of some kind um named Adelard Tech he gives him an umbrella for his very own because this this uh particular Adelard had carried off many unlabeled umbrellas Oh, there's there's like there's one called Milo, Milo Burrows. And Bilbo gave him uh, a very nice pen and ink bottle, uh, saying, "Hoping it will be useful." Milo never answers letters. <laughs> this one, I mean, okay, there's obviously Lobelia and the spoons because there's the thing at the end of the Hobbit where she tries to take all of his spoons and her umbrella, and that really made me laugh. Um, but that one, like that one, people remember. But the the penultimate one is for Hugo Bracegirdle. First of all, a great name. And he gives him an empty bookcase because Hugo was a great borrower of books and was worse than usual at returning them. And like I get that. If you've ever loaned me a book, you know it's gonna be quite some time before you see it again. Even if I've already read it, I will just forget to give it back to you. So like that, I feel you, Hugo. You're one of my people. That made me laugh, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure it made me chuckle previous times, but this time I, like, remembered it, possibly because I wrote it down. Anyway, uh, so last year when I read this book, I had, you know, a different experience of reading it because it had been many years since I'd read it, and I was remember as a kid being like, oh, the Council of Arbonne's kind of rough to get through, but then reading it uh, again, I was like, oh, this is actually better than I remembered. So last year I had a thought, I'm like, oh, I could do an episode on not the whole book, but just in defense of the Council of Arbonne. So I'm going to do, I'm going to take a moment to do that now. And because it's, it's more, it's a lot more interesting than I remember. Like there's more going on in there, possibly because I know more things and I'm aware of more background and I remember who's who, possibly. But anyway, it's, it's better than I remember. So most of my notes come from that like one or two chapters that it takes up. I forgot that at the beginning of it, when Frodo, Gandalf is, is walking Frodo and Bilbo over to the castle and Sam's with them and, uh, He's not invited, but he immediately, like, that's not a surprise. He immediately goes and hides in the bushes so that he can listen. Like, he invites himself from the get-go, which I think is great. And it's good, and so other than that, so the council itself is really good, like, it, it does the background, like, broad strokes of the history of the ring very well with the, the forging of it and the elves and Sauron back in the, back in the day. Like, some of the stuff the Rings of Power show is trying to cover. Regardless of your feelings on that, it was kind of having watched that show. It's kind of cool to read this and be like, oh, okay, I see where they're getting some of their stuff. So that was kind of cool. But then, like, you know, Isildur and it betraying him and, and him getting 
if it falling in the river and, and, and dying and losing the ring before Gollum finds it, blah, 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 blah. So that's stuff we know. But I thought that was cool. So it is a big old expedition exposition dump. That's uh, tougher to say than I thought it would be. You do get some interesting character stuff specifically for Boromir and Frodo because you see that like Frodo is the wheels are starting to turn and he's like oh I see where this is going and oh shit it's gonna have to be me and then you also see Boromir going like oh I see where this is going but this is where I think it should be going and so like right away he's like not on board with the mission but he still gets himself in there because he thinks he can change people's minds or forcibly (laughs) convince them to go his way which is interesting and uh also I noticed that Aragorn is not the first of Isildur's heirs to live in Rivendell there was one called Valandil who was there I think during the the big old battle where where they take the ring from Sauron. I think that's one, but I just thought that was interesting. That's something I hadn't noticed before. It's like, ah, there you go. Look at you having your made-up history repeat itself. <laughs> also, you, because everyone, of course, is for, well, most people are familiar with the movies. I, of course, am very familiar with the movies. So you notice the differences. Like, in the movie, uh, there's this sort of, uh, Aragorn has this uh, sort of unwilling king thing going on there you know greatness thrust upon them type of deal but in the book he's like all in he knows he's like yeah i was born to do this and this is my time baby you know they they forge they reforge the sword like right at the beginning he's he's ready to go he's like yeah this is i'm gonna i'm gonna go be king this is the time and he's just he does not need to be convinced i thought that puts him in an entirely different light and it really it changes a lot about the story just as a whole which is very interesting they're very cagey about the seven rings switching gears entirely there's the so the, the seven rings for the dwarf alerts very cagey about what happened to them like glowen seems to know but he's just like does not want to answer that question and no one presses him on it which i had so i'm like i don't know just is that i mean i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna attempt to read some of the non lord of the rings lore stuff so maybe i'll find out eventually so no spoilers if you know but like maybe let me know if i'm gonna find out anyway let's see <laughs> so someone else i was listening to the book pile um which is a different podcasts about books and one of the hosts of that show which you should go listen to it's much better than this one um i mean listen to this one first and then go listen to that one you'll like that one too they read uh lord of the rings and in their fellowship of the ring episode uh one of the hosts mentioned that he thought it was funny that when saruman says that he has become saruman of many colors gandalf is just kind of sarcastic and he's like i liked white better and i was like yeah that is kind of funny and so then in my notes so i would remember to mention that i wrote saruman in the amazing technicolor dream coat because <laughs> i know when i did that and i talked a lot about that cartoon from the 70s so i think either a little bit later in the 70s possibly in the early 80- 80s a different production company or a different artists or both uh made a lord of the rings cartoon that only covered uh, fellowship and the two towers and maybe when we do the two towers i'll talk about i'll watch that and talk about that a bit more and uh so there's in that scene he's got this like shimmery like rainbow robe thing going on and that that image is hard to shake but the other thing about this that I really noticed is Gandalf is like, we don't have a lot of time. Let's be brief. I'm going to, my story is very long. Also, arguably his is like the most interesting because he's got, you know, he gets captured by another wizard and then he gets picked up by an eagle. He gets picked up by eagles a lot. And then, you know, he goes and gets that like amazing horse and oh, I love Shadowfax. He's a great horse. I was never a horse girl, but I like that horse in particular. So he's like, I'm just, I'm going to cut the chase. I'm going to give you the, you know, TLDR version. But then he's also like, here, let me tell you word for word a conversation I had with Gaffer Gamgee and I'm just like dude pick a lane or don't actually I I'm a big fan of Gaffer Gamgee 
those are my thoughts on the Council of Elrond. I don't know if I had a point other than it's better than I remember. There's actually a lot of interesting stuff. I like a good scene where they sit and talk and you get introduced to a lot of characters, including Legolas. He's, that's the first time you get to interact with him and, and you do see some of this sort of tension between the races and, and because you're basically Frodo in this scene, you don't know any of this stuff really and so you're coming into a cold and you don't understand why these people don't like each other. It's cool. It's, it's it's a better, I know people are like, ah, yes, this is one of the greatest fantasy books of all times. It basically invented the genre, but then we don't really go into why. And I, this chapter really is, I think, is a good example of why. It's that it is a ton of exposition, but it sets up the entire trilogy halfway through the first book. Um, it it gives you a lot of lore and backstory and some of the, it's not quite political because that's not really how this world functions, but you do understand the, the sort of historical tensions. It, it does do a lot of world building and exposition while still like putting you in and kicking off the the actual story which to be fair it's like 200 pages in and oh man I wish he had done it a little faster but you do see really how good he is at crafting this world and how much thought and time and energy went into building this whole universe basically. So I thought that was very cool and I think this particular chapter gets a bit of a bad rap and if if you're uh, one of those people like me who likes to reread these books a lot, or it's been a bit and you'd like to go back to them, or you've never read them before, maybe keep that in mind when you get to the Council of Elrond. But also, if you get bored at the beginning, don't feel bad. <laughs> it's, it's a tough read. You'll get into my, my fresh new perspective on the two towers when we get to the two towers, because I used to think that one was hard to read, and I have uh, since changed my mind. But anyway, so I do have... A couple other things, just random thoughts about things. And I'll just, I just feel like I, they need to bring them up. There's two quotes that I feel like are very relatable. One is about Frodo. One Sam said to himself, Frodo, it was about Frodo, you get it very on in the early, earlier on in the book. And then the one from Sam is like all the way at the end. So at one point, uh, Frodo is described as neither very fat nor very timid. And that's like, that's like goals. That's like what you want to be, right? You just, you want to be in that sweet spot of not too fat, not too scared. <laughs> And like, I, I had an episode before where I talked about representation and how I've always really identified with Frodo and I felt very represented by him. And that's, that's part of why these, especially like he does such a good job with the whole Hobbit thing, partially because like he is sort of writing the people, definitely writing the people that he knows, but also like, you know, these people and you are these people. It's great. I'm like jumping all the way to the end. Just because I, too, am not a tall person. So Sam, it's at the very end, right I'm on hen. There's orcs everywhere. Everyone's running around. We don't know where Frodo went. Aragorn's like, Sam, keep up. And obviously Sam can't keep up because Aragorn's a very tall man. Like, that's his, his nickname is Strider because he's got big old long legs. And Sam is a he's little, he's a little person. So he says, so he says, your legs are too short, so use your head. And that's just good advice. Even if you are, you know of at least average height. It's good advice. If your legs are too short, use your head. And your legs being too short can be a metaphor for whatever, whatever's holding you back. But that's just good. It's really good. I don't have any context for this, but there's a thing. I think it's a place. It's called Wet Wang. It makes me laugh every single time. I know he didn't mean it that way. 
but I, in case you didn't hear it, it is called Wet Wang, and it's funny every time, and I am a child. Yeah, this is so disjointed. I, every time I do this, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have a format, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be coherent, and then I don't. Formats are not for me, my friends. If you were hoping for something structured and coherent, you've come to the wrong place. I can promise a moderate intelligence, but I think that's the best I can do. And even that might be pushing it. My coffee's getting cold. I'm going to drink some. Ugh. Anyway, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Another thing about these books that I thought is very cool and I didn't appreciate before is that even though, yeah, it's fantasy epic, it is a, it does cover a lot a lot of genres you know like you get some of the sort of like in the council you get some sort of not quite political but you get some interpersonal stuff you get when you're with the hobbits you get some you know it's just sort of like slice of life which is very it's kind of nice and then when uh well it happens later on like in two towers but you get some you get some love story stuff going on it's like it's very like you know he he has sort of the breadth of human experience and so it covers a lot more genres than just fantasy epic but one that i had sort of forgotten was there is some real like proper like horror horror movie stuff and it's it's specifically with the black riders at the beginning and they reproduce this sort of in the movie um because the black riders in the movies are, are, are very creepy it's really both they're really well done especially that scene where they're like under that tree root and it's right above them sniffing that that scene still freaks me out i love it um but when um it's oh, i can't remember i should have written down when it was um but i i think it's after they cross the river like um after they they meet up with farmer maggot and like they, they cross the river uh with the ferry and 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 mary meets them and uh or maybe it's before. Anyway, but at one point, the Black Rider is is off his horse, and they just see, like, a black shape, like, scrabbling at a distance away, and it's, oh, it's so creepy. Oh, also, I tend to read quite late at night, so it's, like, one in the morning, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, oh, that's much scarier than I recall. That stuff, it's very good. Like, especially the the Black Riders in particular are, are very scary at the beginning when they're on horses and then they get off their horses and they just sort of like, they're just these, these kind of shapes and you can't really make out what they are. And oh, it's spooky. It's real spooky. Speaking of Black Riders, the because you know the movies are, are what sticks in your brain more well for me anyway you think of the fell beasts as you don't see them until uh much later on so you know the the riders lose their horses after that whole whole thing with the river um different river uh there's a lot of rivers you know right before rivendell and then they they do some magic in the river and they wash them all away and they they're unhorsed and and uh so but then you think of when they get their new mounts they're those i don't know they look kind of dinosaur like well not quite anyway there's big old lizard thingies I, I, you know, you associate that with Frodo and Sam on their way to Mordor and, and them being, but they, they turn up way sooner. It's before, I think this before they even get to the, the waterfall after Lothlorien when they're um, floating down the Great River. And, uh, you know, they see it from afar and Legolas shoots it down and that's a fell beast. Like, I totally forgot that the, the winged Black Riders turn up again at the end of Fellowship. He does not wait until later on, as a sort of present danger, um, they, they are much more present than I remembered. But then to return to this being a tough book to read, 
<laughs> or a tough book to get into, I think may be more accurate. So getting to the end of it, so you, you associate, again, you think of the ending of the movie and it's, you know, it does, it's a good, it's a good stopping point, you know, Frodo and Sam go off to, to go to Mordor alone together. Mary and Pippin get captured and, and, and Boromir dies and that's the end. It's really the, that's our, our final sort of, that's our emotional climax is, is Boromir dying. But the end of the book is so anticlimactic. It just stops. You don't get like cliff, I mean, kind of, it is a cliffhanger in the sense that it just, it just sort of lies like, and we're done. Tune in next time. <laughs> we don't know what happened to Merry and Pippin. They're just gone. Like, we don't know that the orcs took them. Or no, we do know that, that the orcs took them because Boromir does. No, we don't because this is my point. Is, oh, holding on. Hang on. I'm going to reference the book because it's right in front of me and I should do that before I get something wrong. But I want to say that Boromir does not die at the end of this book. Breaking the fellowship. Here we go. Ba-ba-ba-ba-bum. Frodo and Sam. Boromir hesitates. Whoops. No, Boromir doesn't die. No, no, no. That's when Boromir comes back and just down the hill after, you know, yelling at Frodo. And then, um, and, and he's like, ah, I said some stuff. And Aragorn does not press him. And yeah, so he doesn't, he doesn't die at the end of this book. He dies at the beginning of the next book. Yeah, the way, this ends with Frodo and Sam crossing the river and, and going off on their own <laughs> so the, all of that stuff that we think of the, the climax of the fellowship of the ring is the beginning of the two towers uh so this one is just like they just he just leaves us and he's like yep yeah, they went and i mean yes it is about frodo so we know what what frodo's up to or we know where frodo's off to and 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 so that's and so it stops but it's just there's nothing there's just like yeah it's just like oh and uh we'll pick this up in the next book so i can't imagine reading this but as they were being published and being like but well, that's it <laughs> and then i guess i guess that's an incentive to pick up the next one i have no idea but i also noticed that like so they're they're towards the end of this book they go oh, yeah we're entering the last stage of the quest the last stage of the quest is the next two books all of the action takes place in the next two books so there's that. I think if if I had a point in this episode or something flirting with the edges of the point is that all you people who are like, yeah, I like Lord of the Rings, but I've never read the books or I started them and I never finished them or I just couldn't, whatever. I feel it. Like I love these books. I love them so much, but also I totally understand you. I get you. I will do my best not to fault you or be like, I don't understand why you can't get into them because I absolutely can. And if in the, you know, relatively recent past, I have expressed opposite feelings, I retract them and I apologize. But still, I know I have not given like a glowing review of this book, even though I've said many times that I love it, but like it's good and you should read it. And I'm, you're gonna, you know, and like, I know it's not a great thing to say about a book that you kind of have to power through. Like, it's like when someone says, oh, you should really watch this show, but you have to power through the first season. You're like, I shouldn't have to power for, through the first season. You know, you kind of, ugh, I think you should. I think it's worth it. it this is, I'm gonna try to end encouragingly. If you've not read this book before, if you've never been able to finish it, just you can do it. I believe in you. It is totally worth it because as we will get into next time, The Two Towers is actually really good. I think it might be my favorite of the three despite the movie being the worst one and it's still a great film. So, you know, I'm gonna end there because this has gone on for longer than I ever expected. This might be my longest episode yet. 
Thanks for sticking around to the end. If you stuck around to the end, uh, ne next time we will talk about the two towers and hopefully that will be relatively soon because I am quite motivated to get that out during Holy Week. I know in Holy Week's not technically a liturgical season, but I'm still gonna, still gonna give it its own thing instead of being like Lent 1, Lent 2, which is what I should have done if I had done this last week like I intended to. You don't need to hear about my um, failings in personal discipline. And yet I'm not gonna cut that bit out. Is it because I'm lazy? Is it because I'm desperate for content? Yes, all of the above. Uh, that That's this episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, as I've said many, many times, next time we will do the two towers. And I don't know if we'll have a point then either, but I'll have things to say. Wow, I've passed the half hour mark. Well, in the raw recording. I don't think it will actually be that long when I cut out all the ums and errs and awkward breaths and uh, long pauses while I tried to collect my thoughts. Yep, so if you if you enjoyed this, there are uh, other episodes. You can listen to those. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. <laughs> I recently flirted with some social media. I don't want to say advertising because that's not accurate. Self-promotion. I put out a little clip of some of my terrible poetry for uh, World Poetry Day earlier this week. Uh, you can find that on uh, Twitter and Instagram, which the links for that are in the uh, episode notes. I think I got a download <laughs> for that episode by doing that. So yay, well done me. Yeah, it's a good thing that I do this largely for my own amusement and uh, um, don't have expectations of getting a, a wide audience. But I'm having fun and I hope you're having fun. Subscribe, tell your friends if, if you want. If you don't, I understand. I too am embarrassed by this. <laughs> and yet I'm going to put it out there on the internet and tell people about it. Follow me on social media. You can support me financially, but if you'd prefer to support me spiritually and emotionally, that's okay too. All right. I'm going to call this. This is getting out of hand. I will see y'all next time. I mean, I won't see you. This is an audio only format. Y'all will hear me next time. Okay, bye.